Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, a podcast where we explore the many ways in which weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek, and this week, the question at hand is weather as good as coffee. Now, I'm sure there'll be some opinions out there on that, and I'm, uh, you know, we'll see. Any case, before we jump into the main topic, it's been I don't know, a lot of weather going on. Now, I'm I'm dealing with some haze. We've had quite a few wildfires in the western U.S. here. But all the way up here in the New York City area, about midweek, we started dealing with weather forecasts that said, you know, sunny, clear skies, yet they kept not being clear. And we've had kind of this constant haze. And if you look at the satellite imagery, you, it gives you a sense of how weather's really connected. You know, sometimes when we think about just clouds coming and going, you don't really get that sensation of how you're really connected with weather that can be happening thousands of miles away or with parts of the planet that are thousands of miles away and how it may influence your weather directly. But when you have these sort of events, it's a good reminder. It's like when we have big volcanic eruptions and things of that nature. It gives you that perception of how things really spread in the atmosphere and how they can travel vast distances. And that's not just, you know, the things that the fires created, but it reminds you that just moisture in the atmosphere, how it can move from one ocean all the way across the continent. Yeah, it's not as simple as that, right? But it gives you a better sense of how things can travel really far away and still have that sort of influence. Now, on the other hand, the thing I've been dealing with weather-wise is hurricanes, hurricanes, and, well, more hurricanes. Well, maybe not. A lot of people in touch with me this week talking about this hurricane season. And, you know, we even we even talked about Sally and how I hope Sally wasn't going to become anything major last week. Well, she went ashore, I think is a cat too, finally. But she was moving very slowly. So I had someone reach out about, you know, slowest hurricanes of, of all time and run some statistics. They knew that I've been involved in that sort of thing. Anytime we start getting into counts or speeds and that sort of stuff, I usually get some people reach out. And that was not an exception this time around either. But I've also had some broader questions about comparing this to other seasons because I kind of waited. I've been waiting to record this episode until we had Alpha. And just a short time ago, we got Alpha. Now, it's not where people would have thought Alpha was. Alpha's about to make landfall in Portugal. And it's not a true tropical cyclone. It's what we call a subtropical cyclone, which is it has some things that are tropical in nature and some things that maybe aren't. It just doesn't look like a traditional hurricane. The dynamics of how it even acts and how the storm kind of feeds itself, if you will, aren't exactly a true tropical cyclone. The nature of, of the atmosphere in that storm is not exactly what we think of when we think of tropical cyclones, hurricanes. But they still get a name because they still can be very powerful and bring similar problems, right? So we got subtropical storm Alpha. The one that looks like it's going to be, that I thought was going to be Alpha, that's kind of meandering around the Gulf of Mexico, will now become Beta. And here we go. So where do we compare? Now, I will say that, you know, any comparison that's going to be made is most likely going to be made that a 2005 season when we had, you know, Katrina's a name that people will know and are familiar with, probably more than any of the others. But it was a very busy season, right? A lot of tropical storms. A lot of hurricanes in that season as well. We're well ahead of where we were in that season. 
I think we were almost a month later, if even if not more, before we got to the Greek letters. However, hurricane-wise, that season still stands far and away above this one. It's not to say this one won't get there, but we've got about a month left, generally speaking, for what I would call hurricane-strength storms. That's kind of the norm. You tend not to see them stretch too much into it, maybe early November. One around here, classic example, Sandy was an example of that. Early November, yes. But once we get to November, even though the season doesn't officially end, we tend, the, you know, just the whole nature of where we are in our annual cycle tends to wind down the more powerful storms and the chances of hurricanes forming. That said, I don't know where we'll be. We're behind, as I would say, hurricane-wise. I'm not sure we're going to get there hurricane-wise. Do I think we're going to pass it on terms of tropical storm or tropical named tropical storms? Yeah, I do think we'll probably exceed it. It's tough to say. People, you know, I get a lot of questions about that, about the seasonal forecast, because now we've almost peaked out every seasonal forecast. They were around, I don't know, the, the number of systems we're getting to now. We There's tricks that might happen in the atmosphere, tricks are wrong sort of word, but things that might happen in the atmosphere that can temporarily dampen tropical cyclone formation or decrease the risk, if you will. In a broad sense, we're in a setup that was conducive to tropical cyclone formation this year, which is why many of the forecasts kept getting revised upward because the conditions looked better and better amped for that sort of scenario. However, we have these things that move along at what we call subseasonal scales. And a lot of how the season ends will probably have to do with how that subseasonal behavior influences the basin. But like I said, I still think we're going to get there. I think we'll get, you know, it's uh, Zeta is not the last Greek letter. I know sometimes people think that I, I, I'm not going to alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, right? When you only go so far in before you get to zeta. So it'll be really interesting if we get to Ada. <laughs> we got to get past Ada, and then we will have set a record in terms of name storms. Got a month to do it. Very, very possible considering we're going to get to Beta probably within the day, if not the weekend. And you know, it looks like the season is not going to ramp down anytime soon. All right, enough about tropical cyclones. You guys know I could go on all day about that. So I'm going to stop myself now, and let's get back to the question: Is weather as good as coffee. What do you do to stay alert? Really, what what do you what have you done traditionally to stay alert? When you when you need to be sharp, what do you do? Now there's all sorts of recommendations. Actually get more sleep. Well, that's kind of an obvious one if you're if you're well rested, it's easier to stay alert. Hydration is another one that people forget about from time to time. As long as you are drinking enough water, your body tends to be better responsive. Move around. You know, don't always sit in one place. Get up and do some things. Take naps. That's a, that's a classic one. I've never quite figured that one out. But I know a lot of people do. A lot of people swear by a nap every day. Some people change the environmental settings. Maybe you have music, a certain type of music you listen to. Or maybe you put something, you know, we, we talk about the, the coffee shop effect. And we'll get to the actual coffee here in a minute. But the coffee shop effect is one where chatter in the background, sort of an ambiance, ambiance, an ambient setting, if you will. We change how our brain is, is seeing the environment 
and feeling can make us more alert. And it, that goes even to talking with other people can make you more alert. So not getting caught up in your own world. And we and that might be why just having the television on, maybe you're listening to news or watching the news. You're not even paying attention. It's just sort of on. Same thing with the radio, whatever it is. Now, sometimes we alter our bodies, right? I mean, there's been drugs around for a long time that you can take that, you know, students have taken, people that drive long distances take. Not necessarily a healthy thing to do, but people have done it because they work. At least for a lot of people, they work. But some of us also do some more mild things, right? We change what we eat and drink. Now, one that's always worked for me that I use again and again is is mint chewing gum. And I think it works two ways. One, that kind of mint, that sharpness of the mint certainly kind of wakes you up. But also the chewing effect gives gives my body something to do, right? Maybe I'm in a situation where I can't easily move around. Maybe I'm driving a car. And just kind of as a pick-me-up, if you will. Chocolate is another one people use. Now, for those that don't like the caffeine factor, green tea is something people use, right? You can do different herbal teas that make you stay more alert, more awake. So we do. We we all do that sort of thing. But when push comes to shove, caffeine and more particularly coffee is what people always say. Have a cup of coffee, right? And when I was doing some searches on this topic, coffee was one that came up even on the healthy side. So if you ever do a search, I don't, I don't remember the exact words I use. Like, you know, what do people do to stay alert or something like that? And most of the sites are trying to get you to do it healthfully, right? And so it talked about some of those other things I mentioned. But almost all of them in the end still mention caffeine or coffee. Now, that's loaded, right? Anybody who's ever had coffee to drink know there's some potential downsides to coffee. Too much of it, you get headaches. Not enough if you're used to having it can give you the same headaches because your body's used to a chemical change, right? Makes you have to stop and go to the bathroom. If you're driving a lot, if you have to go to the bathroom a lot, it may not be conducive. But there's all these things we do. And this is where I got into the topic that I was actually investigating when last week's episode came to mind and when I was doing that research. But one of the articles was still the same. And, you know, it was talking about how we react, how we perform in different weather situations. And just as a refresher, when you're looking at short responses, cold is good, right? That's what the findings were. Some, you know, you need to do some quick task or some entry stage cognitive processing. Cold is good, but there's a limit to that. And that's what we talked about more with the, kind of the shopping and the marketing profiles last week. So maybe the question really is how alert do you need to be? Or more importantly, how long do you need to be alert? Is this something that you're trying to change? You're just trying to jolt yourself a little bit? Or are you really trying to wake yourself up for a long period of time? Now, let's talk about this from the context of weather. And let me bring to mind how this all got into my head to begin with. As you guys know, I went on a vacation a few weeks back up to Acadia National Park in Maine. And I was doing a bike ride one morning. Decided to start with the big climb, get that out of the way. We were going to do a ride around the park. They have this nice loop road. But we figured we wanted to do something a little more true exercise. And so we started with the climb of the famous mountain in the park, Cadillac Mountain. 
And when we set out, it had kind of been a foggy morning. And we're driving up the road, and it, yeah, it's kind of that misty, foggy sensation. And it was a little cold as well. And so all those combination things made me kind of what I felt was hypersensitive to the situation. It's very alert. It's wide awake. If I if there was any doubt before, it was wide awake at that point. And even driving down, I wasn't exerting myself physically as much. But I was very attuned to, you know, the bike, you know, how well the brakes were working, even the moisture coming off the tires, because there wasn't much of it, but just a little bit. As anybody who's ever ride a bike knows, if you don't, there's attachments you can add to kind of, it's like mud flaps. But if you don't have them on, you get a little kick up of the, of the moisture coming up, up your back. And sometimes that can actually work to your benefit. Again, depends on how alert you're trying to be. But I got down to the bottom of that climb and we had climbed the whole thing. It was all in this foggy, misty thing. Cool morning, a little wet. I felt like I had been through a major adrenaline rush. And then, of course, you kind of, as with a lot of things, you kind of eventually kind of crash out of that scenario. Enjoy the rest of my ride. But the rest of the ride, even though there was some physical exertion, was much more subdued, a little more relaxed. I could just kind of amble along, even on the climbs. I was generally not pushing myself as much. And so there was like this hyper time period that seemed to, I mean, it was about, I don't know how long I was on the mountain in general. Let's say I was out for a three hour ride overall and maybe spent 45 minutes of it going up and down that mountain. I don't remember the exact times, but something along those lines. But that, that little time period, even the sensation of that, it, you know, I felt like I was up there for hours and I wasn't that, that whole, again, top to bottom ride. Yeah. Less than an hour, but it felt like half a day. Whereas the rest of the ride had nothing like that. It felt like it ended pretty quickly. Like it was done in less time. So clearly I had a chemical slash physical response to the weather environment around me. And maybe you've ever noticed the same thing when you're driving. And I came across another paper when I was looking into this. That when you're driving a car, one of the things most likely to put you to sleep is just a generally sunny day. And part of that is, is you know, most times of the, when we're riding around in a car now, we control the inside weather, if you will. Whether it's cold or hot. And to some extent, you can kind of control the moisture flow if you're pulling in outside air or not. But certainly, even the speed of the wind, by how much you may turn on the AC or the heat, right? But we run into the risk there. So the study that I found talked about how if it's raining and the roads are wet, we're better drivers. That, that's the weird thing about it. I'm not going to say everybody is because, you know, lots of accidents happen. But that's a situation more of the environment. Maybe there is too much water on the road or it's a sudden outburst. But all that stuff makes us more inclined to be focused on the decision at hand, which is driving safely, if you will. So on sunny days, we're less likely to be paying attention. But, you know, maybe there's less risk. No, no. It, but whatever the situation 
that's, that we're put into is influenced by the weather going on. It, when it's a rainy day, it, you may not perceive any of it. The sounds may get you, right? Because that rain coming down on the car, certainly you're going to have some of that. Although a lot of people, and I use it, there are times when I use the sound of the storms to help me sleep better at night. But it does alert our senses. And it alerts our senses in such a way that we know that there's something dangerous going on outside, even though we may not be directly feeling the weather, if you will. We may not be out in the open weather like I was on the bike. But I would say that my bike ride was very similar to that. I was very attuned to how I was going to safely get down that hill. And what I really wanted to know, though, was did that same weather influence how I performed going up that hill? Because it wasn't a safety thing. There were some winds going on, and I know the winds were at times working for me and working against me. It's the nature of, of climbs like this where you're kind of all over the mountain. And I think it really boils down to, from the studies that I found, what type of time frame we're talking about. That if you're looking at you need to be alert for a short period of time or there's more of a sudden need, and maybe that's because of how our body responds. Maybe it's the, it is the re- release of something like adrenaline or some other chemical response that whether that's a little cold, or maybe a little stormy, seems to enhance our performance. But over the long haul, those same things have the potential of not being so helpful. So there's a study that really looked into just a variety of weather elements, right? Whether it was wind, humidity, temperature, changes in atmospheric pressure, and they looked at reaction time. And what their findings was, it was pretty, I don't know, I found it interesting that we humans, although not surprising, we humans don't like change. So for instance, when atmospheric pressure changes, because as you know, atmospheric pressure doesn't tend to change immediately or or overly quickly. It tends to happen over a day as a, a weather system's coming through or even temperatures over the course of the day that change, or the passing, like I said, of a cold front or a storm system, we tend to not like those changes. And it makes us, generally speaking, poorer in terms of reaction times. And that's kind of what I was focused on. When I I think about alert, I think about reaction times. But that cognitive component also comes into play that we talked about last week and, and earlier in the episode here. But that cognitive element can get into the whole decision process. I'm, I'm just thinking in, in the moment, if I need to be jolted alert, I, I think back to times when, and maybe you've done this before too, if you're ever driving, you're a little tired and you don't have caffeine and you don't have mint gum or whatever your go-to is, lemon drop candies, that's another thing actually that I know works for certain people, that kind of tart component. Have you ever just thrown the window down in your car and let that, you know, kind of the breeze, particularly if it's a cooler breeze, blow on you and wake you up. I know I've done that in the past, and I know other people that have done it too. So in that case, we're using the elements of the weather for that burst effect, right? That jolt effect. Now, that may not have the staying power of caffeine loaded in our system 
or some other chemical change that you know we're driving that's longer lasting. But it's clear that weather may be the same things that help us instantaneously over time, and that's what the study found, that if you're exposed to cold for a long period of time, whereas it may work in the short term to make you a better responder, over the long term, it tends to make you not a better responder. And, and it got back to, we tend to not like change, and we tend to not like things outside of our norm, right? We all have a comfortable temperature range that we like, and when we get outside of those, we seek to get back to them. Because we know that optimally, we probably perform better within a, um, a small range, if you will. So just keep in mind, okay, as we're going through these seasonal changes, and this is happening whether you're going from winter to summer now, or summer to winter, whether you're doing the fall, spring. We're at that time of year where we're, we're going through definite seasons of change, either direction. As you go through that, Keep in mind that the same things that may help you to perform in the instant may actually be drivers of how maybe you don't do better at work. Maybe your, your ability to multitask goes down. Maybe your ability to do long sustained tasks goes down. Or on the flip side, maybe you're getting to the ranges of temperatures you prefer. And so it actually helps you. I don't keep an eye on that. Let me know. Let me know what you find out. Or if you think that there are certain types of weather that put you in the optimal range for long-term things, or if you've got a weather event or something, because you think about it this way, even severe, the thought of severe weather can amp us up, right? And that was something I came across. Just the thought of having that you know that there's some dangerous weather coming your way can amp you up. So maybe you never experienced the weather. Or maybe it gets you to be prepared. So it's clear that weather impacts how good we perform and how responsive we are. But it also can be that maybe its effects get worn off after a short period of time. I don't know, some interesting things. There'll certainly be some links in the show notes where you can read a few of these articles. Some are a little easier to read than others. But there's no doubt that whatever is in your bag of tricks to keep you alert, that weather is something that you should consider with how you can leverage it and how to be cognizant of how it impacts your performance over the long haul. All right, before I let you go, I came across one more interesting thing. Drones. Talking a lot about drones lately. You guys know I got a new drone I've been playing around with. But I came across an article about drones and the weather and how they were going to be used to study weather in the Bering Sea. Now, as those of you who don't know, it's cold area, right? But they're not the type of drones you imagine. They're actually ship drones, if you will. And I had never really thought about that. But, I, I mean, I know that there's there's what I would call floating buoys out there, do this but they're actually going to be directed to go around and measure things. Now, they're going to be measuring things related to fish and other stuff as well, but weather's part of what they're going to track. So if you find that sort of thing interesting, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's an article I came across right before I was about to record. I thought you might enjoy it too. Anyway, whether you want to reach out to me about drones or whether you want to talk about how weather 
influences your response times or your cognitive performance, feel free, as always, what is it about the weather at gmail.com, what is it about the weather on Twitter, or of course you can find me, Mark underscore Jelinek, on Twitter as well, however you want to get hold. Be glad to hear from you, chat with you a little more on these topics. But never forget, as always, the thing we're reminded again week in, week out on this show, that there's much more to weather than the weather itself.